spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod. My name is Josh Earl, and this week... A return guest. Please welcome. You know him. You love him. It's James McCann, everyone. Yeah. Don't call it. Come back, baby. It's good to be here. It's good to Such have you. Such an honour. Last time you were in the car. Yes. Now you're I've in the house. I, I've got it. Well, no. I've I've oh. taken. My friend is opening a pub, and it hasn't yes. opened yet. So he has a damp, mouldy room up the back, and I have been permitted to sit there. Great. Yeah. Thank <laughs> and, you. And record podcasting magic. Now, James, we are. Going to talk about Hums and Hits. Normally they're volumes. This mm. one, they've changed. They've changed it to now Winter 2001. Uh, it was a, actually a very one of the most discontent winters. <laughs> if Little did we know. With historical events. <laughs> as a particularly bad one. It really was. this. Well, I was, uh, was, I was like 10. This is like my year six, seven discos. Yeah. was around this time. So I, I did actually, unlike the first time I was on, I know... Of all these songs, and one of them has lived. I didn't know what it was, but when I heard it, I was like, "Ah, oh, no!" That was in my brain for about eight years, just like quietly bubbling away at supermarkets. So, I, I my theory on why they've changed to winter or just seasonal is too many hits. You think you got to double the number? No, my thing is, uh, so fresh came mm. out, and they were seasonal. So it was so fresh, uh, summer two thousand, so fresh, True. and so. Now I think 100% hits are going, all right, let's try and trick the, the record-buying public. They won't know it's which thinking. one. Yeah. And by this point, I, I mean, SoFresh had, SoFresh definitely advertised on television more. Yes. SoFresh had become the primary uh, hit single conglomerate uh, yeah. distributor. I don't know what we're calling these compilations. Yes. All right. So, But are there four then or do they just go summer, winter? Is there a spring hits? There Can they do a, an autumnal hits? We have. Uh, <laughs> we only have three more compilations to go. What? And then and then this podcast says goodnight. How come you keep euthanizing your podcasts? <laughs> they start up so strong. It's good. And then you put them down. All right, here's an idea for the next one. You go through have you got the next podcast already? Yeah, I but I can't to... I can't announce it yet. But you I, right. I'd like to hear your your idea. I'd be going through every pitchfork year oh. and get a different niche, much less fun playlist yeah. on there. I see. So I remember back in may have been two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Whenever Justin Timberlake had his big sexy back album, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing two thousand four because that's when he he was at the Super Bowl, which we'll talk about later. Okay. Um, pitchfork <laughs> had his song uh, number one on their best tracks of the year. And yeah. it caused such outrage that I think it damaged it damaged Pitchfork. They went, you know what? We're just going to now try and anger the people who say they love music. 
it was a it was a long pivoting. Yeah, I, I think I've spoken about this a lot, but like they they it was between a, the moment that they they embraced it, they suffered through it for a long time. They di- I think they didn't review. Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to get this wrong. But I by recollection, they didn't review the first Lady Gaga album, but they did review uh, the the Fame Monster that came afterwards. Oh yes. You know what I mean? I may, yeah. I could be, if I'm wrong about that, you know that when you believe things and then you check them and you realize it's absolutely not true. It yeah. is true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, sorry. So like, so that was, so 2010, by 2010, they had gone, oh, yeah. well, we should, we should look into her is the top thing in pop music. But before then it was like, we're not reviewing the first Lady Gaga album. Are you crazy? Well, She's- I can tell you. Triple yes. J did not play Beyonce. They played Destiny's Child yeah. at the start. What? They yeah, they played a couple of Destiny's Child's tracks and they stopped playing them because they yep. got popular. Then they stopped playing or they didn't play any Beyonce. And the first time Single Ladies by Beyonce was played on that station was this little guy here doing a like a version for it. Unbelievable. And then Unbelievable. And then they started playing it, I think. Not Look my version, that. the actual version. You um you're the Rosa Parks. I'm a powerful ally. Of having single that you you opened the door so that she could run. That's uh, that's yeah, isn't it? Because now you listen to Triple J, and it's just fucking Lewis Capaldi, and you go, he has no place here. It's it's so funny. So also, can I say with the hottest one, not the, with the like versions, mm. they've become into like it used to be just all right. You go in, you plug your guitar, and you do it live. On air. Oh, now at they've the time. got backup dancers. Fireworks <laughs> are going off. It's insane the production values. That's the only way to break into the music industry now is to have a hip, like a version. Did I? I tell. Did I? The Taylor Swift. That was like the, they they of oh, the the shake it off thing. Yeah, I got involved. I wrote about that. I was. Uh, yeah, that was that was the moment where they went. No, we're still like they they tried to scapegoat her. I believe they'd gone too far. It yep. was over for them to have credibility, and they went. Well, we're not letting that lady, you know, we're, we're just going to make an example of her so people think we have a bit of credibility left. It's over Triple J. We should stop subsidizing it. We should privatize Triple J. What are we What are we paying for it for if they're not finding cool new music? And it's just, we're getting some, the only time they get Australians on there, as you said, is to get some no good four piece from Bendigo to go in there and play fucking... Madonna. You know, I'm happy Conchetta Caristo is suckling at the teat of the ABC. I give them, give Conchetta all the money and she can divvy it out amongst everyone That's else. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Privatise it so she can have a commercial radio salary. <laughs> I want the best for her so she can look after that lovely boyfriend. All right, we're going to kick this side off. We're doing side A, winter 2001. Mm. Amazing. We've not talked, we've not had a song from this artist yet. This is Madonna. Music. But not the original. It is the Deep no. Dish remix. So here we go. This is Deep Dish doing their version, or not version, a remix of Music by Madonna. So good. That's really good. Yeah. You can tell she's been listening to a lot of Daft Punk. 
I had to look up what she was saying there. The bourgeoisie and the rebels, they come together over music. Yeah, I, I, I always just thought she said the bourgeoisie and then started mumbling. But that is, <laughs> makes the bourgeoisie, <laughs> it's not good diction. That's the only one on here. And the original music as well that sounds genuinely contemporary. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Although I agree it sounds contemporary. I think there is another song on here that I... Forgot all about the sugar and, babes. And very much don't give it away. I do like that song though. Uh, anyway, it's this is a good. I mean, this is maybe my one of my least favorite Madonna singles, but it's it's still really good. It is I'm good. I'm a big Madonna fan. It's great. Ali G in the video. It, it's very funny, and he had not broken America yet, and so people in America didn't know who it was, <laughs> and it's just kind of going, "Why is this guy breakdancing in a nightclub with Madonna? Why is the limo driver? Who's the limo driver?" Well, um, even back then, it was sort of funny to find Madonna sexually attractive, right? Well, because she was in her forties at that time. She she she's now sixty five, I think. Mm. So if we do the maths, that's twenty two years ago. So she's she's forty three. Oh, disgusting! What she a gross age. Home. Yeah, <laughs> forty three year olds should not but be it, doing anything creatively. Yuck! Yuck! Well, she got the body right after this. This was not even her sexual prime. That was the confessions on a dance hall face. How good's oh. the, how good's, I mean, it's, she's so ahead of her time. Everyone else is still doing slow jam. They don't know quite what to do with black culture. That's really coming onto the charts. Yep. There's a lot of spoken raps to come yes. on the following. Uh, and they are all disgraceful. And then Madonna <laughs> with this obviously Chicagoan uh, remix is really good. Yeah. Well, apparently I read into it and she was very much, uh, Influenced by like Daft Punk and Nile Rodgers, really, and was like, let's let's do this, let's do this kind of stuff. This is what's happening in Europe. It's really fun, and we're going to bring that back. Although she got inspired for this song from watching a Sting concert. Sting, Sting, yeah. So she said, what happened was she went and watched Sting. He played his new stuff. Everyone was older and very much just sitting in their seats politely going, oh, yes, well, thank oh, you, Sting. Thank you, she Sting. was motivated by disgust? <laughs> no. And then he started playing police songs and everyone yeah. jumped up and started dancing. He's like, And she's like, this is what happens. So music does things to people, that takes okay. them back to a time. That's what I need to do. I need to take everyone back to a time. Let's go oh, disco. I love the thought that it was just her going, I'm never going to be like Sting. <laughs> Gross. Uh, the song got uh, leaked to Napster uh, four weeks ahead of uh, its release, and she tried to sue Napster. Did you ever use Napster? You would have been a bit young for Napster. I was the LimeWire generation. Yeah. I did yep. miss Napster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, the other thing was in 2014, uh, Rebel yeah. Heart had completely oh. been uh, ha- like, released as well yes. and she the woman who on oh, the guy who did it was a guy called Addie Lederman and uh 
hacked her email accounts and everything. He was arrested for computer trespassing and uh, got 14 months prison. What, 14 months prison? 14, a year and two and two oh, months. Gee. Yeah, well, you and, shouldn't do that to Madonna. And she said that the incident made her almost leave the music industry. Well, did you know that her most recent album, Madam X, was also leaked, but this time nobody noticed <laughs> because it was not very successful. This was her final US number one. It was there for no, four No, don't weeks. say that. Yeah. It's oh, well. most most recent. <laughs> yes, most recent. Her first uh, number one in eight years. I'm surprised because uh, Frozen and Ray of Light, great songs, but they didn't get to number I'm one. I'm actually shocked that Hung Up didn't get to number one because that came after. Yes, it didn't. But also, in, a, in Australia, not her final number one because she had yep. American Pie. But oh, well, she, that, no, her anti-Iraq war phase was not as successful in America. Well, she didn't release it in America. Oh, she didn't even buy... Well, she didn't... Did, she did. She started doing protest work against the American government and didn't release it in America. <laughs> yes, cowardly. Uh, it was the fourth biggest song of the year here, American Pie. Um, Man, that American, that anti-war stuff is maybe that's her worst face. And then she immediately goes to the other stuff. But like, what's the one where ah, it was all like Bush is an idiot. It was just yeah. so. That was that was not ahead of its time. But this dance music, yeah, I uh, love it. Because we haven't spoken about it, I've got two facts I really like about it. Oh, hit me. So in 2015, she was refused access backstage at Hamilton for the off-Broadway show because apparently during the show, she just was texting the entire time and Lin-Manuel Miranda could see her and was like, she is not to come backstage ever. Gee. <laughs> have I mean, you maybe, he could have, maybe he could have been more entertaining and written a better musical and she wouldn't oh. have been doing that. I think we might be the only two people I've ever talked to who don't <laughs> I, like Hamilton. I had such – I got through the first 10 minutes. I was like, oh, fuck, it's just going to be this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then in 2021 – got to respect the people. we got to be out there making a sequel. Yeah. we got. I mean, it's, I just – it felt bit, like the amendment to be bit from The Simpsons oh, a little bit well, to me. I, well, I Gerard, Gerard Carmichael in an interview said he hated it because it was like when uh, – like white teachers would come into his classrooms oh, yeah. and go, oh yeah, we've, I know a guy who can rap. His name was Willie Shakespeare, and just do. And it was like, no, it's terrible. There's a lot of that to come on here. The uh, I don't want to jump the gun. I won't jump the gun, but that Robbie Williams rap did not need to be on the song. We, the listeners won't even hear it. That's two and a half minutes into it. Uh, and, I'm shocked you haven't just cut that bit out of the song to play to the <laughs> listeners. And here's the other thing: she turned down the Matrix. She they offered gonna... her what Trinity. Yeah, the Carrie Ann Moss role. Yep. Wow. So originally they offered Will Smith and Madonna were going to be the stars oh, of the Matrix. That would have been great. Yep. She also ah. turned down Catwoman in Batman Returns. Batman Returns. The Michelle oh, Pfeiffer. No, one. no, yeah. no. That would have been that would that would have made more sense. I was thinking the Anne Hathaway role. No. In the Dark no. Knight Rises, um, or Catwoman, starring yeah. is it Halle Berry? Halle Berry, yes. Did it get, was it released or not released? I believe it was released and it ruined her career. Because there's one that didn't get released, I think. No, oh, Catwoman. Catwoman got released. It was it was oh, very okay. panned. All right. um, but I'm told it was maybe just ahead of its time. People weren't yeah. ready for... <laughs> Speaking of felines, another number one, also another first time to the pod. This is Atomic Kitten mm. and their song, Whole Again.
I reckon they're Illuminati. <laughs> I got stuck into looking up a lot of atomic kitten pictures on the internet, and they almost always have hair covering one eye. Ooh. And I think one eye is a big Illuminati thing. <laughs> All those emos were in the Illuminati. Oh, it was, that's how they get in the door. This was, um, it's a, I mean, it's a good song. It is a good song. Now, Atomic Kitten, they were founded in 1998 <laughs> by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Darks. Andy no! Husky, yes, and Stuart Kershaw. What? Yep. I was just listening to their first album. OMD, yep. Um, The first four singles for Atomic Kitten, not hits, very middling, and the record label were like, we're not even going to put out this fifth single. And they were like, no, come on. If if it's no good, then then we'll we'll leave. They released it. Not only was it very well received, it went to number one, and it is the fourth highest selling single by a girl group of all time in the UK. Behind, Wanna Be by the Spice Girls, Two Becomes One by the Spice Girls, and Never Ever by All Saints. That's insane. So this, I'm, still, I'm, just, I'm still stuck on I the know, orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Yeah. They just decided to make a ton of money yeah. to put the indie cred to one side and to get a bunch of ladies to sing covers, but quite nicely quite yeah. nicely done covers um, and, and this song. And but this, like Eternal yeah. Flame was their was their other big uh, breakthrough. Yep. Uh, man, that's nuts. Yeah. So it went number one in f- the UK and five other countries. Got to number two here. And while promoting it, band member Kerry Katona, who is still famous in the UK, announced she was pregnant to Brian McFadden of Westlife, Chiching, and left the band. It's like, oh, I'm not going to stick around. I'm, I'm going to be a mum. And uh, yeah. Well, look, d- much respect thing. doing the Lauren Hill. Yeah, I say, I say, good on her, Brian McFadden. He was on our TV a lot, wasn't he? He was. He was. He was dating. Was he dating Delta? I think oh, he may have been. Oh, did his marriage not? Hold on. What, what yeah. was this woman's name that he? Kerry Katona. Oh yeah, that relationship did not last. I'm sorry no. to say. No. That was two years. Did they let her back in the band after? No. No. no, she had to go on Celebrity Big Brother and Dancing on Ice. Yes. She, she And in Celebrity Big Brother, uh, she won the heart of the nation because she talked all about her mental health. And also, in the first day, Big Brother made her throw a diva-like tantrum. And so she did that very well. And everyone was like, this woman is crazy. And then she uh, told them, oh, it's actually, I've been put up by Big Brother to do this. And so everyone's like. Oh, she's a I've had a, me- I've, I've had a mental breakdown. I have my mental <laughs> health is very gentle. Uh, in in 2020, they re-recorded the song because 
in uh, the stands uh, during England's run to the semifinals in 2018. So England football oh. manager Gareth Southgate, uh, they the the lads in the stands did a parody of this song. Instead of saying "Baby, you're the one," you still turn me on. You can make me whole again. They changed it to Southgate, you're the one. You still turn me on. Football's coming home again. Yeah, they love. They yes. love that stuff. Anyway, so they <laughs> they came. I, just, I do like it when sports fans get their arms around like a very a fate, like it's a very big burly man. But like in Philadelphia, yep. Do you know that? I think it's the Eagles. Yes. And they just they do that. They do the soft mouth cover of that Robin song, "Dancing on My Own." <laughs> And all these big Philadelphia Eagles fans drunk off their tits. Oh, don't set up on one. And you know, ah, there's, there's some emotion there trying to come out at a weird moment. So what they did, they did a pro football anthem of. Yeah. So that happened in 2018. So in at Euro 2020, Atomic Kitten said, let's re-record the song ah. and we'll, we'll put the Southgate lines in. And so then member Jenny Frost had moved to Ibiza. And so she's like, they got a call, say, hey, go to this uh, recording studio and just record your lines doing this. So she said that she turned up hungover. She's at the beach and she's like, what? And so she went into the studio and they're like, you're covered in sand, wash your feet off before you come in. And then she quickly did it and then went back to the beach and started drinking again. And that was what? Did that get to number one? It didn't get to number one, but it sold. Right. I think they, they had the money going to charity. Oh, what a waste of... Yeah. Honestly. So... Uh, his, in 97, they were Liz McLaren, McLaren, yep. Kerry Katona and Heidi Range. Heidi I left. Have, I'll have you know, I've brought up the same uh, Wikipedia graphic with the lines oh, running yes. left to right. Not a lot. What? So the whole band was shut down? I'll let you do it. No, I'll no. let you do it. There's so many, so many things I'm only going to say because Heidi left for artistic differences okay. and then she went to join the Sugar Babes. Which we are now going to listen to their debut single. This is Overload by the Sugar Babes. It's the best one. Doubling. Like 
Thank you, sugar babes. That's right. in a weird minor. That's not a normal, that's not a natural minor, I don't believe. That's, that's why it's like, interesting uh, to your ears when it comes on the radio. Like, oh, this is different yeah. to everything else. Yeah. I don't know what it's, it's something like, it'll be like the Aeolian or something. I don't, I don't pretend to know those modes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's I don't, I don't know that kind of stuff either. My wife has a music degree. She talks like that, like about music. And I'm like, oh, I just like the beat. <laughs> I think they look cool. <laughs> it's like almost, it's like a Greek Arabic. <laughs> so these guys you have that coming out of a minaret. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> these guys were formed by Ron Tom, the manager of the All, of All Saints. So they've had six number one singles in the UK. The only girl group to have more are the Spice Girls. This was their debut single, and at the time they were Siobhan Donaghy, Mucha Buena, and Keisha Buchanan. They've had so, so many. Light- What's that name in the middle? Mucha Buena. Your name's Mucha Buena? M-U-T-Y-A. Mutya? Mutya. I'd say Mutya. Mutya. You're saying it like an Italian would say very nice. Mucha Buena. Buena. (laughs) B-U-E-N-A. The joke is there's like every person in the UK at one point gets to be in the Sugar Babes. Uh, Nice. So this one was written by Paul Sim, Cameron McAvey, the band, and a guy called Johnny Rockstar. Johnny Rockstar. Johnny is, Rockstar sounds okay. like a name my dad would it's say to me in the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look who's Johnny oh. Rockstar's come home, has he? <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I'm trying to find Johnny Rockstar. Johnny. Johnny. Is Johnny Rockstar one of these um, Scandinavian men who write every... No, he's an Englishman. No? Yeah. So Johnny has no H in it. J-O-N-N-Y. Oh, right. So this is like a real... This is the high point of uh, manufactured pop. I think so. I think they're not only is it the high, because they're they're trying to be interesting with it as well. It's not just, all right, this is the formula. We know the formula now. No, this is not S Club 7. No. This is uh, good people have been brought in to. Yes. I can't believe orchestral maneuvers in the dark (laughs) are behind Atomic Kitten. All right, so. What happened? In 98, they were signed as solo artists, Mucha and Siobhan. But then they were at an industry function and became friends, teamed up, and then they added uh, Mucha's friend Keisha to form the trio. Okay. So this became a hit. Their follow-up singles and album failed, though, and uh, even though One Touch was a strong debut album. Okay. Siobhan, unhappy. Unhappy in the band. She was uh, suffering depression and said that the other two were so close because they were – such good friends that she felt on the outer. She said that uh, Keisha was her first bully she ever faced in her life. Oh, yeah. And so ah. she left. She left the band in Japan. But here's the thing. So Butcher talks about it, going, "Yeah, what she did. We were sitting down. She goes, i 'I'm just going to go to the bathroom,' and never came back. <laughs> Sometimes you got to. <laughs> like, how long? How long do you go? She's doing a big shit. To has she left? Is she in Japan? Yeah, in Japan. I mean, they've got amazing toilets. Oh, but, yeah. in Japan. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm struggling here. So she, she takes a big shit, leaves the band, <laughs> leaves the band. This is, what, like in twenty? This is 2010. No, uh, this is uh, early on in the. In oh the group, no! So oh right, like, and then, man, they've all left the group. Yeah, at one stage was, they've all left. There's been six people who who have been sugar babes. And at one point, no original members were in the band. Now there are. Now they're back in the band. That's and then they, sorry. So they, this I've never I've never seen a chart like this before. <laughs> it's so crazy. They, so they one by one they all leave the band. Yep. 
2002, then 2005, then 2009. And then two years later, all three original members get back together under a different name and then reclaim the title from the three pretenders. <laughs> yes. To become the Sugar Babes once more. But there exists an album with three. Now, which album is that? It's one, two, three, four. What, ah, I'm trying to find the year. 2010. Sweet Seven. So I, I love. None when, of the Sugar Babes are on that album. I love when all, all the original members can go out for a night and watch the band that they formed and be in the audience. I love it. It's happened. This will be ours again. Lot. This is yes. our birthright. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned that uh, he, was it uh, the the girl whose surname was Frost, who was in in um, Atomic Kitten. Yes, she joined. She replaced the other one. Um, so what was her name? Heidi Heidi Range, not Frost. Uh, yes. Anyway, so Atomic Kitten and Sugar Babes had a bit of a rivalry. They were the Blur Oasis to uh, two thousand one pop pop uh, bands in the UK. And yeah, this, is, this is what uh, Mucha said about Atomic Kitten. They said, they're wannabes and we're real. We all have the ability to have solo careers and they don't. They said we look like they're asses and we should get jobs in Sainsbury's. They are potentially the less attractive band. I'm just looking at pictures now. <laughs> I'm not trying to make anything. I'm not trying to be negative. Of the two, I think the Sugar Babes are the more interesting band. Um, yeah. Well, they've got more singles that I recognise for sure, yeah. and the production on that is nice. And there's weird stuff happening with the with All the right. beat. We're Man, gonna... English were giving it a go there for a little while. They really were, but we're now going to go back to America. Okay. This is Janet Jackson. Now we pretty much talked every song off Velvet Rope, but this is All right. This from, is dreadful. This is from her album All for You. It I is. I couldn't stand this. The title track. <laughs> Let's Just see what James up. thinks. It's after. not very good, everybody. <laughs> Oh, the piano is great, by the way. The sample. You know, so the beat, that's fine. This is fun. Right? That's fine, all right? And I love that piano. That sounds expensive. That like... That's great. And then Janet gets on it. I don't like that slide whistle, whatever that is. It's one of the most boring hooks I've ever... That for eight minutes. Another sexy song. Janet loved she's talking so about bo- sex. She's so unsexy. No. Such a profoundly sexless creature. No, no, um, not at all. I disagree. I, I, don't, I'm, I don't know what you're seeing there that I'm not seeing, but there's, <laughs> there's nothing. I'll take any of the sugar babes. Well, The less attractive Britpop girl group <laughs> over Janet Jackson. That sample's great. That Teddy Pendergrass sample. Yeah. That's an expensive sounding piano. I like that piano. I dislike virtually everything else here. Please go on. This was written in the wake of her divorce from Rene Elizondo Jr. And she was in Mortal Sin and Creatively Barren. Well, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who she'd worked with on Velvet Rope, they went in going, it's going to be another very serious morose. She's in a, she's in a bad place. 
her last one, it was a very serious song, even though it was sex, yeah. serious album. She came in going, I want the record to be fun. I want it to be carefree. Yeah. In the in between albums, she had a world tour and she'd also starred in The Clumps, the Nutty Professor sequel. <laughs> Sorry. The world was her oyster. <laughs> anyway, so. The only person Eddie Murphy did not play in that movie was Janet Jackson. <laughs> the record label, uh, the record hadn't been finished yet, but she had okay. a photo shoot and she was playing the demos in the photo shoot and everyone stopped at this song and started dancing and so they replayed it like four or five times and after that photo shoot, she went to the label and said, this is going to be the single. Trust me, everyone loves it. And in America, they did love it. It went to number one. Oh, it was there it's, for seven weeks. It's the it's it's there are so many songs that sound like this, um, of this like low tempo R and B. It's not a genre that I like. I don't like her voice. It's in, it just keeps going and going. It doesn't progress anywhere. It's got some just with, with silly sounds for no reason. Ooh, what's that there for? And the piano's great. I don't, I don't, when people love this and this like sexy fucking low tempo, ah, who's, it's for the club. It's for commercial radio. It's for too many things. That's, I think that's what it is. It's for radio. Because it's, it's, um, it's a little bit sexy. It's that whole line about the package. It's, it's sexy, but it's, it's naughty, but it's not rude. It's fine. Yeah, like she's she's like nude on the cover with a yeah. blanket over her, but she's yeah. got a big smile that doesn't say we've had intercourse. It's like maybe we'll go to McDonald's later on or something. It's like <laughs> it's uh, this is what I this is what I said. There's something like girlish and uh, two dimensional to like when Michael is two dimensional. Yes. You go, wow, what's behind there? A madman? This facade. It's so intriguing. This monstrous human being. I love. She has a similar thing, but I just go. There's nothing behind that. She just wants to have a nice time. She's just a normal lady. No, I think she's got some dark, dark thoughts behind there. I really do. Now, this album sold five million copies worldwide, and went on tour, but the tour had to be stopped because of a little oh, incident yeah. called nine eleven. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the nipple. No, um, no, that was in 2004. Let's talk about that. Okay. So if you're very young and you don't know, okay, the 2004 Halftime Entertainment, Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake, the last song was uh, uh, Justin's song where he says, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. He rips off her, I think, mm-hmm. left breastplate and her... Uh, yes. Her breast is exposed. She's wearing a very big uh, nipple. An enormous nipple piercing, the likes of which you've never seen anyone wear (laughs) at any point in your life. And people went crazy about this. Yeah. Justin Timberlake, oh, it's the first time the the phrase wardrobe malfunction has been used in society. And people named it Nipplegate. Nipplegate? Nipplegate, yep. It's such a... But you can't even really see her much of her nipple. No. No. The areola is covered by what looks like the flag of Argentina. Now, what Am I getting did... that right? Is that Argentina? I don't that know. sun? Oh, yes. It's got like the sun with the, the waves that go ultimately. She has the flag of Argentina on her nipple. Now, people might be angry about this, but okay. this sparked creativity that changed the world. Do you know what was invented because of this? 
Uh, what they must have had nipple pasties beforehand. Not nipple pasties. Okay. YouTube. So. Oh, I do remember this. Co-founder Jawad Karim. He co-founded YouTube. He said the idea was because he couldn't see any of these boob videos online, and he wanted a place where people could put stuff like this online that wasn't porn. But just things that you go, oh, I could put this there and everyone could watch it. So because of Janet Jackson, we now have YouTube. Well, it's porno adjacent moments. And now that wouldn't be allowed on YouTube, I don't no. think. Isn't it a sad irony? We become the monster we um we seek to destroy. She do you think it was on there's a bit people think it was on purpose, I think. I, it was definitely planned. Like the the top came away. She had that big uh, nipple clamp on. But like she's wearing a bra, right? Well, she's like, got she's got like a, a is it a bodice? I don't know what like like something else was meant to be there covering uh, the nipple. No, well. I don't reckon. I don't reckon it was. I reckon they were like, no, let's do this. I reckon in rehearsal it was because he says I'm going to have you naked by the end of the song. The song finishes and he's ripped part of the top off. It's well, then it is. It is scandalous then, and she deserves all the punishment because there's this big thing like how dare they destroy Janet Jackson's career, even though I will just say I don't think any of her songs have stood the test of time. People say that this was a terrible, sexist, somehow white supremacist thing where America objected on prime time during a sporting event to seeing a woman's nipple on television and that his career goes on. Unabashed. You see, that's the thing. If, if she's getting, if she's getting like punished for this, he must have. He also has to get punished for it. And he didn't. He came uh, out and said, "Oh, it was it was wardrobe malfunction. We didn't realize it was going to happen." And I was like, "Yes, you did. You absolutely knew it was going to happen. You, you look, did I, the action. The song says, I'm going to have you naked by the end of the song.' In you, you rip her clothes off, and then she's naked by the end of the song. I tell you now, if he had been wearing a codpiece, right? Yes. And and she had gone, I'm going to have you naked by the end of the song, and took the codpiece off and exposed his genital. Her career would be fine. This no. is not a gender thing. No. It's about who was naked. I tell you, if she had exposed Justin Timberlake's penis at the Super Bowl, Justin Timberlake would pay the ramification. I and I say? He would, if he'd Kieran J. Callanan at the Super Bowl. This hmm? Super Bowl coming up will be the 2024 Super Bowl, 20 years after this. Please. Please, Justin Timberlake, please put your hand up. Surprise guest, Janet Jackson. He he shows his cock to the world. (laughs) I think. I think think, it's, yes, we're healing. Yeah. Nature is healing. Okay. Hey, this song in the UK got to number three. In front of it, number two was Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. And number one was this song, the debut single and only ever number one song. From Spice Girl, Emma Bunton. This is What Took You So Long by Baby Spice. It's a long slog to get to the chorus on this one. <laughs> it's got a real Texasy vibe. Like, yeah. As in the band, not the. Well, that's a little less country in the West. Yeah. Not, yeah. At this point in the song, I was thinking, I don't know. But... And then the chorus. Lyrically weak. (laughs) 
has a real mm-hmm. star sailor and uh, what's that dancing in the moonlight kind of thing. Oh yeah, top, yeah. that top line. It's got a it's a very uh, powerful earworm. Yes. Um, hiding, I think, a very toxic femininity. Well, what it is that it's about how now that she's famous, men don't approach her, and everyone's very shy around her. And so it's like, come on, what took you so long? Come and ask me out. Come and ask me for a drink. Don't worry, baby spice. Give it five or six years <laughs> and people will not feel as afraid of you. Uh, she was the fourth member of the Spice Girls to top the charts with a solo record. The only person who didn't was Victoria Beckham, but she... She uh, didn't try. No. And she's very happy with her life. And Isn't she's... it incredible that only one of them could sing? Like when you really start digging apart, it's Sporty Spice has a great voice. Yes. Everyone else middling. Yep. And they all did pretty well. Yep. So for the promotional campaign for this, uh, uh, it was kind of overrun because the Spice Girls were working on their new album as well, or had their new album out. And ah. Mel-, Mel C said that, yeah, we don't really care about the Spice Girls anymore. She said, we've all been very honest. We all want to pursue solo careers. We're still linked business-wise and we're still friends, but I don't consider yep. myself to work as a band now. So she just was clocking in. All right, Clock I'll out. see my bits. We'll do the tour. We'll make some money and then we'll yep. go again. Yep. Yeah, because they needed her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise the songs would sound very, you know, very Atomic Kitten. But Mel C really takes it to another level. She's so good. She's uh, great. I know we're talking about Baby Spice, but Mel C, I just I went and I listened to a lot of Mel C after this. Yep. Man, she's got a great voice. We talked about her last week uh, with Emma Holland, and I, I didn't know this, that she was on the Norm MacDonald show. I didn't know Sporty Spice was on the North. Hold on. Yep. Go, there's a there's a clip of her acting on that. While you're doing that, I'll tell you the listeners. In 2001, this is who Emma Bunton was linked with romantically, Leonardo DiCaprio. And so, uh, when she was what, 22 or 24? 25. So the math works out. Oh, so they were only there for a year. Only this yeah, only a little bit. Year. And then in 2003, she was then linked to Justin Timberlake. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. So while he was probably got the email going, hey, would you like to do the Super Bowl? And she's like, yeah, yeah. you should do it. He's there Definitely with her and he's <laughs> making love and he's saying, these nipples, are, I love nipples. That's what I've discovered with you. And I think more people should have access to nipples. And he said, can I get your nipples out? And she said, no, I will call Janet and see if she will allow me to share nipples with America. Imagine if instead of Janet, it was Emma Bunton at the Super Bowl. People would say, "Who is that?" <laughs> now, you can't, baby, baby spice is perpetually. There's something um, uh, juvenile, and I think that would have been truly a Lolita moment. Would have been well, absolutely terrible. Baby spice now works in radio. She does commercial radio in the UK. I bet she she had a lot of personality in the movie. Yeah, she's yeah. she's the Chrissy Swan of the UK. That's baby spice. All right, <laughs> we are going to take a break. I, sorry, I saw a picture of Chrissy Swan. Yesterday, yes, she on she was because she was hosting. Have you been paying attention? Yeah, great dress. This is not going anywhere, but it looks like she looks like the most expensive vase I've ever seen. And I was going to comment, but I didn't want to be negative. But I thought, Chrissy, <laughs> turn it around, Chrissy. You're looking good. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back after this. That's why they don't let me on. Have you been paying attention? I think. <laughs> I think saying someone looks good is fine. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way 
an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. We're back. And now, this is our first Portuguese artist ever on the podcast. This is Touch Me featuring Cassandra Fox by Rui Da Silva. Here we go. He does have a good voice. He does, yeah. It's only 19 yeah. too. Really? Yeah. She must have chain smoked a lot. <laughs> All right. And it goes on, it goes on. It's one of those songs though, I'm sure in the clubs it's a great yeah. song, but in this compilation it feels somewhat out of place. I'm not saying it's bad, I just feel it's out of place. It doesn't have as many interesting ideas as Madonna's... Uh, dance anthem, and so yeah. I don't think translates to, yeah, the the commercial radio type aspect of this as well. Well, here's the thing: this went to number one in the UK, sold over six hundred thousand copies, and it was clever because they were going to release it in December of two thousand, and then the label was like, you know what, the UK is obsessed with this Christmas number one concept. Yeah. Let's hold off. This is not a Christmas number one. That's that's replaced their need to have an empire. Yeah. <laughs> As they've it's, lost the empire, they've become very fascinated with what goes to number one at Christmas. It's what comes to number one at Christmas and bringing the cup home. They love to bring it home. It's coming oh, bring home. bring it home. Yeah. I, I hate the English so much. Deep in my, <laughs> deep in my bosom. The worst. The worst. It keeps coming up on the podcast, but they are cooked. As a country, lovely people individually, but as a country... I mean, so are we if you look at us like that. But anyway. No, this is the great. No, I won't have that. We're a great country. <laughs> <laughs> They've got problems. I've got to say. So uh, then they released it in January when everyone was had their vouchers, had their Christmas vouchers to spend. Go in the record store. We'll buy, we'll buy this one. Touch me. So Go down Tesco's, buy Touch Me. Like 19 year old. <laughs> pumping in the morning, pumping in the night. Now, the original song of this. <clears throat> Contained a guitar part, which was Spandau yep. Ballet's chant number one guitar part, but they couldn't get the clearance from it, so they just ah. scrapped it and put it out. So I'm sure if you went digging online, you could find that version there. 
Uh, the Guardian. Bit, this is a very like eighties revival um, time. Like people clearly they're fixated. Yeah, it's that twenty on. year gap. I think. I think yeah. everything. Give it twenty years, which is probably why I'm like. Oh, now we have. Now, now we have to be interested in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Guardian in twenty twenty said that this is number seventy on their list of the hundred greatest UK number one singles of all time. Isn't it Portuguese? Oh, as in it went to number one in the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, ah, yeah. I mean, I think that's. Uh, overly kind, isn't it? I think so. I think it's that thing where, like, who cares? People only care about the top 20, and then you can put, like, some obscure ones in the rest of the thing. Uh, so, Cassandra Fox, there the must vocalist. be some. There must be some, like, because it's The Guardian, and this is not a great song, there's got to be some, like, extra woke factor helping okay. this one up the charts. It's Portuguese. We don't have anyone from Portugal in the ch- in the charts. It's a very, yeah, it, this is actually an anti-Portuguese fascist <laughs> Anthem against Salazarism, and that's why it's made it onto. It's it's just it's so boring. I I put it in that Janet Jackson category of ones that I well I would never remember. Cassandra Fox still works in the industry. She uh, did a did a solo album. She's worked with Faithless before, Larue, Calvin huh? Harris, huh? and she does live vocals uh, for Lauren Hill and Keen. So she's a backing oh, singer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So. She's doing all right. What was her name? Sandra Fox? Cassandra Fox, yep. Oh, Cassandra Fox. Sandra Fox is a PhD candidate in American Jewish history at New York University. Let's put that little CA in there and see what happens on the Google search. <laughs> While you're doing that, oh, let's, yes. let's listen to she had a great. She had a great voice. I just want to say that. I think it's a dull song. She had a great voice. All right, moving on. We've talked about him a fair bit on the podcast. This is the third single from Sing When You're Winning. It borrows heavily from I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Here is Supreme by Robbie Williams. That bit's good. Yeah, it's great. The beat's great. The little crackle. This bit's good too. Yep. Got a great voice. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Are you questioning your size? Is there a tumor in your humor? Are the bags under your eyes? Do you leave dance where you sit? Are you getting on a bit? Will you survive? You must survive. There we go. You're not going to play his rap? Let, let's go forward to the rap then. All right. I like that he's done it um, over the phone, yeah. prefiguring rappers who have been imprisoned. And have it's, to do their features that way. It sounds a little bit like gorillas. I'm not going to say it's not. Like... Uh, yeah, it does. So the reason, so the reason I will survive uh, was used in this song, and the songwriters of the of that song they get a credit as well, so they get yeah. lots of money. Was he was in Switzerland on New Year's Eve, 
and everyone was going off to that song and he's like, this is fucking amazing. I'm having that. I'm going to use that song. And so oh, that's, that's what he did. I just wondered why he didn't uh, cover it. Like, just cover I Will Survive? I think he could have done a, a very good cover of I Will Survive. Uh, as it just sounds like a it's a weird hodgepodge of a song where like some of the original bits are good, yeah. Some of the other bits are good. Some of the other bits he's put. You just start going when he hits the chorus. Da 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 da. I wish we were listening to I Will Survive at this point. <laughs> well, it went number one in Hungary, baby. They loved it. Uh, and <laughs> Victor Poland. Orban's favorite song. <laughs> yeah. Now we've talked we've talked heaps about Robbie, but so we'll talk about the film. Have you seen the film clip for this song? I have not. Right. The film clip is very well done. So it's uh, it's called Gentleman Races, and it uh, uses okay. footage of British Formula One driver Jackie Stewart, and Robbie Williams plays Bob Williams, and they're driving for the nineteen seventies F one World Championship. And so there's lots of, and it looks really cool. The only thing oh, is, yeah. Robbie, I don't know if it's his idea, but he's a bit of, I think he wants to be a comedian. And yeah. so, so the whole thing is they're neck and neck in the standings and then it's the final race. And Robbie, his character, gets diarrhea and is in the toilet and his manager comes in to find him. He's not there. So he just locks the door behind him and Robbie can't get out of the caravan and so he misses the race. Oh, well, does he get diarrhea for, any, diarrhea for any particular reason? No. He just gets diarrhea? Yeah, he just goes and sits on the toilet and then it's like, yeah. And that's the end of the song, and then oh, then it says that he he went to be a uh, blues guitarist and invent a uh, pipe free uh, no a smoke free pipe, and then Jackie Stewart went on to win this many races. I mean, I'm just because Rock DJ does he yeah. take his skin off? Yes, yeah, he strips down. He does have a sense of humour. Yeah. Robbie Williams, he is uh, he is great. I'm just looking at the Rock DJ video. Yeah, he does. Yeah, look at that. He's all made of meat, and he starts throwing his skin at the women. Yeah, it's it's funny. Was there an edited version of that video that played on our TV where he did not get down to his meat? Uh yes. Okay. And that's what played in America as well. But on the on the single for it, the image is him with no skin on, and so it would have made no sense. Yeah, because I, I remember him. I watched an interview with him talking about, it and he was like, "And then I thought <laughs> I'll take my meat off, and there'll be a dancing skeleton." I thought I've seen that video. That doesn't happen. All right, so, um, what, what we haven't mentioned about uh, Robbie is for three years he suffered from a- agoraphobia, so he was really scared of being outside in l- large what? open spaces. Yep, and so he said he just I wore a caftan, I ate kettle chips, and I grew my beard for three years. And he was in the offered, middle of his career. Yeah, two thousand six, two thousand nine. So he was offered fifteen million pounds to take over from Simon Cowell on American Idol. And he said, no, nah, I can't leave the house. And he also had, uh, he hasn't said what gig it was, but he said another huge, huge gig that I couldn't do because I couldn't leave the couch. That's so sad. I guess he, I'm just sorry. I'm just having the rock DJ one in the background with his um, flesh uh, being torn off. That's so sad. Cause he's so, uh, he's so charismatic. Yeah. And I, I think um, he actually is, some of his songs are great. I'm sure he appears on this podcast, as you said, quite regularly. Uh, uh, and he never broke America, did he? No, not no. really. I mean, he he tried because I think I've said this before, but he would show his kids now who they're American, like he lives in America. Show his yeah. kids him at Wembley Stadium, and they are like, "What do you mean they're all to see you?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm a b- massive, massive pop star." But over you just, there, over there, but here, 
I'm not. Um, all right, we are going to move on. Now, my wife is just using Spotify, so I'm going to – it might sound weird, but we'll edit this out. Okay, well, It's going to play for a second of white noise. <laughs> no, it'll be Yacht Club she was listening to. Uh, all right, we are going to move on. Now, they worked together the last episode. Now, she's gone solo. This is Kylie Minogue and her song from the Light Years album, Please Stay. Here we go. It's nothing. <laughs> it really is. It's, you could write out 50 Kylie songs and you would not put this one down. No, in that. It's, yeah. um, it's dreadful. And it's just it's just weak. It's I mean, she Kylie's so weird because you, you get the sense that the, she's just like a vapid pop starlet, nothing. And then all of a sudden she's doing something really dark and interesting. Yeah. Yep. She must... Um, yeah, it's. I, I'm sure. I don't know how much she writes her songs, uh, but like clearly, she sometimes is open to interesting ideas, and sometimes yes. not at all. And then it's always a shock because this this sort of please stay thing. It's a bit you know locomotiony, a little. Um, it's just piffle. This is what people think of when they think Kylie Minogue normally in the culture, well, but it's... like. She's got good, dirty, throbbing stuff too, but not it's, this one. It's interesting because she's always seems to, like Madonna is, she's doing the same thing. She's looking at what's on trend and then she's making it a Madonna thing. And for mm. me, Kylie is like going, I'm just looking at what's on trend and I'm trying to copy that. So this has hallmarks of like a bit of a Latin flavor. Like yeah. Ricky Martin was really popping at this time. So it's like, all right, we'll do that. The album's called Light Years uh, and Ray of Light came out a few years beforehand and it's like, you kind of, not that, not that Madonna owns the word light, but no, no. it is that it thing. Fair. And so Impossible Princess was the album before this, which I think it's got some really good songs on it, uh, but the UK panned it. We're like, this is terrible. And so she left her label and went to Parlophone because she did a did a song with the Pet Shop Boys and uh-huh. they were on Parlophone called In Denial. And so they were like, Parlophone were like, yeah, I think Kylie's got more to give. And so this also had... Um, Spinning around on it as well, which is a good song. Um, um, I'm also just looking, so. I mean, Impossible Princess is like maybe it's one of the top five album covers of all time. Yeah, it's so cool. It's just, again, that's what it's like. Dark, weird, nineties. Yep. Kylie, can I? This is just a little left field. I'm shocked looking at the um, the cover art because this, you know, Kylie's uh, she's got a ray of light behind her on the uh, on the album cover, and you know, and you can sort of see a bum, which was very famous at the time, and then yes. the Jerry Halliwell one. 
there's a bit of her bum on that too. These are the smallest bums. And Janet. No, I mean, it's like this is a very small, like bums. They what people big. thought was a good bum. Yeah. Tiny bums. Yep. You wouldn't, you'd be ashamed to, people have those bums now, presumably. Yeah. But you would never let anybody see if you had no bum, would you? No. No, I mean, the, they're not a, they're not a duo anymore, but they had a TV show, Deezus and Mero. And okay. They're on, oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're funny. And they were on Jimmy Fallon doing one of his parlor games kind of thing. And Charlize Theron was the other guest. And that to, like, say famous celebrities without giving a, without saying the name. And yeah. so one of them got Taylor Swift and he just said, long back. That was the, that's all he said. And they went, <laughs> and the guy went, Taylor Swift straight away. And Charlize Theron was like, how did you get that so quickly? And she yeah. didn't realize what long back meant. And then in the process of the game, she realized <laughs> and she got very offended. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hold on. While I'm recording this up. while recording yeah. this album, she had three words in mind for the theme for the entire album. So these are the words that they had around the recording studio. Poolside, yes. cocktails, disco. She wanted every song to be either under that umbrella of this is yes. what we're going to do. So the album also includes a song called Password, which was... Before the first song, you had to put your CD in and then go backwards oh, on the CD. What? Yeah. Rewind it. And it was the opening song was Spinning Around. Um, but, yeah, so you had to go before Spinning Around called Password. And I loved, I loved like... Um, That's cool. I like these kind of songs, the like hidden tracks. I didn't realise. I looked at how many other people did this. Yeah. Four of the albums that came up on the list, I own and I'd never, I've never heard these pre, pre-songs because... And I never will because I don't have a CD player anymore. So I won't be able well, to do can it. Can I ask, do you remember what they are? I've yeah. never even heard of this. Arcade Fire's Reflector has one. Wow. Art Brood's Bang Bang Rock and Roll has one. Yeah. Block Party's Silent Alarm has one. Yeah. And Uncle's Science Fiction has one. That is such a very strong idea for a YouTube video. Just These are all uh, the pre-songs that you never heard. All the hidden songs. Yeah. Because sometimes I only knew when people would, you know, have like 80 tracks of nothing. Yeah. And then there's one at the end or it's like the same, you know, the last track goes for 10 minutes and then silence. I like on that silver chair album. Yes. And then and all of a sudden there's a little bit at the end. I can't remember if it was Corn or something like that had like 13 just blank spaces at the start of their album. And then it, it after 13, it kicked <laughs> off. Anyway. Is it a good song? Have you listened to Password? I, I didn't go back. I'm, I'm sure you can find it now on YouTube. And right, stuff, I'm going to find but, it. It's, right. um, yeah, but this, all right, we can move on because this one's crappy. While you find it, well, this is Joe, one of the, the best names in hip hop, Stutter, but this is the version I'm going to play features Mystical. So here we oh, go. Gee. Are you going to go through his crimes afterwards? <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> okay. My dear, my dear, cool. my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well. Now let me tell you that I can't, 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 can
yes. It's it's funny though because the whole thing is I can tell you're lying because that's when you stutter. But in the song, Joe stutters. So I was like, are you lying when you're singing it, or you're just emphasizing? Uh, no, I think he's being a cunt. <laughs> I think he's I think he's being like stuttering, honey. I think he's getting up in her face. That's why he's working with mystical. Yes, he cunts. He's mystical. There we go. The poor man's DMX. Yeah. Yeah. No, so here's here's how this came about. Okay, so second time on the podcast for Joe. This went to number one in the US for six weeks, this song. Uh, Too long. Yeah. So it was written by two guys called Ernest Dixon and Roy Hamilton. They met while working for R. Kelly. So we've got Mystical and R. Kelly. Mm. Um, this is starting to sound like a ring. <laughs> yes. So during the drive between New York and New Jersey, uh, Ernest Dixon had the idea for a song that featured stuttering. He thought that'd be cool if you're rapping and stuttering. So he came up with a verse and a hook before the drive and then uh, it was over. And then Hamilton uh, got together and they did the rest of the song. Okay, so this is Roy Hamilton. Okay, then they went to a guy called Teddy Riley who was working with Blackstreet at the time and he wanted to give the song to Blackstreet but they weren't working on any new music. So they shopped it around. Eventually, they go to Jive Records. They're like, hey, we've got this guy, Joe. Give it to Joe. So they released a slowed down version of it, did nothing. And yeah. then they submitted it to the soundtrack of a film called Double Take, a film I've never seen. But the people working there used a old like uh, sample of Quincy Jones doing Summer in the City by The Love and Spoonful and put that on oh, it yeah. and sped it up a bit. And then, is that what that is? Is that what's in there? Is yeah, that? yeah. And then Joe heard that song while he was, dri- in his words, driving in my limo, and he was like, "Let's do it. Let's redo it, but we'll f- speed it up a little bit more. But we'll use that Quincy Jones sample there." And that's when Mystical comes on. So Mystical, for th- those that don't know, he might be spending life in prison right now. He's a serial rapist. First time he Accused was... Accused serial rapist. Okay. So only he... convicted of some of them. <laughs> so he's... <laughs> the first one was his hairdresser, who he accused of stealing $80,000 and then forced her to have oral se- perform oral sex on him. And then he denied it. And then they were like, oh, there's a videotape of it. He goes, oh, yes. No, no, that's right. I did do that. He even um, caught me on a camera. Yeah. That's terrible. What a terrible... Uh, well, I'm glad he copped to it. Terrible, But man. then that's not the only one, is it? No, and then there's been, there's been uh, two more arrests uh, for domestic abuse and then the third uh, one that he's currently waiting uh, sentencing. Uh, and if he gets convicted of it, he will spend life in prison. I only know this because I remember looking up um, his uh, number one. I, I, you know, shake your ass. Yeah. Which was uh, used to great effect in About a Boy. Yes. The film About a Boy. Shouldn't tell people to shake their ass, but it's a great song. Yeah. And uh, very sad that uh, he seems to rape people. <laughs> it's well, not good. He, Mystical. He does this song, which I like this, and I like his version. 
I like Shake Your Ass. I also like Move Bitch with Ludacris. I think that is Oh, is he in Move Bitch? Yeah, he's also in that. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) Another Spice Girl. But she left earlier than the rest of them. This is our final song for Side A. This is the Weather Girls cover, Mm. It's Raining Men by Jerry Halliwell. That's all we need to hear. And that's your podcast, so I won't spoil for you and the joy in saying it, the exciting fact about who originally wrote this song, which I know you will have discovered. <laughs> it's so good. So this is written by Paul Schaefer from David Letterman's band. Oh, Dave. It's so It's good. the only song that has been successful that he ever wrote. It's is It's Raining Men. Well, almost didn't even get released. So he, was, he wrote this in, uh, I think he wrote it, Years before it was released, like five years before it was released. So he intended it for Donna Summer. So Yes. And then she'd recently become a born-again Christian and said, no, this song is blasphemous. And so he then offered it to Diana Ross. She said, yep. no, this is crazy. Cher, he said, get me two of the fattest women you've ever seen. <laughs> well, they were called the two-ton. Two-ton? I think they were called. Or the two, yeah, that's what their original name was. No, no, I didn't yeah. know that. The Weather Girls. And then they changed it to Two Tons of Fun, and then they changed it to The Weather Girls. But, yeah, Cher, she, she turned it down, and then... Barbara Streisand also turned it down. Ah, what? And then the Weather Girls, they also almost turned it down. They said, this is crazy, this song. You can't sing this on the radio. It it was a hit, a huge song. Is it just because they're talking about how wet they are? Uh, Is that the problem? What's the dirty bit? I don't know what the dirty bit. It was the early 80s. People may have gone, oh, we can't be this. In the Reagan years. Of course, it would be actually be terrible if it was raining men because they would explode onto the pavement and die. This song was actually couldn't be played on the radio not long after it was released because of 9/11. It was on the banned list of songs not to play. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. It was raining men in New York. I'm not joking. It is on one of the lists of songs that were banned oh. from. But it didn't stop it from selling. So this went to number one. Uh, so what happened was. Uh, Jerry Halliwell's management was said, hey, do you want to contribute a song to the Bridget Jones' soundtrack? They want something fun, something upbeat. They've suggested yeah. this. She's like, yeah, cool, I'll, I'll do that. That sounds fun. Went in, didn't think much about it, recorded it in one session. It was like, yeah, cool, I'll do my vocals. Done. Thank you. Yeah. Then 
It was huge. Uh, sold 440,000 copies in the UK. Went to number one for two weeks. France loved it even more. There it sold 750,000 copies, going like two times diamond, I think, it, or diamond sales is what they call it. Belgium, it went to number one. Plus, it was the highest selling single of the year in Belgium. I mean, it, look, it's a that's pretty good for a song that is, in essence, a less interesting version of the original song. Yeah. Uh, it's not as good. No, but they, they then ended up putting on um, her album, Scream If You Want to Go Faster. Yes. So they knew. They went, let's let's do it. Let's shift some more units. Yeah, is this her only uh, – this is uh, Ginger Spice. Yes. Did she have another big single? Yeah, we've talked about it in the past. So her one that she – she released one that wasn't – it should have been number one, but she was robbed of it because of uh, – I can't remember the boy band. It wasn't Westlife, one of those ones. And then her follow-up one was um, – look – I can't remember it right now, James. Well, I'll tell you this right now. Did you know that Ginger Spice stars in the upcoming, or possibly now released, Gran Turismo movie? No. <laughs> yeah. Gran Turismo stars Jerry Halliwell. She plays a character called Leslie Mardenborough. Is a rich English woman. So Gran Turismo, that's the computer game, not the Clint Eastwood film. I always get it confused. Uh, no, that's Gran Torino. Gran oh, Torino. Oh, man, sorry to... I'm sorry to derail. I've started uh, watching the Dirty Harry movies because I'd never. Have you ever seen the Dirty I've Harry seen, movies? I've never yes, seen. They're them. most. First of all, they're great. Secondly, um, short of Triumph of the Will, they're the most right-wing movies I've ever seen. <laughs> they are. Um, it's incredible. It's about like taking the law into your own hands and like Clint these liberal, these liberal bullshit letting co- loons out on the street. They need to be gunned down. They're really good movies. I'm not uh, endorsing that <laughs> particular philosophy of law enforcement, but man, they're good movies. All right, that is the end of That's side end. A. I think we've had some big name artists on here. I'm not saying it's their best work, but we've had some big name artists. So let's go through them, James, and you tell me how many right. of these are actual hits. We're starting with the Deep Dish remix of Madonna's music. Hit. That's a hit. hit no, I'm, no, no, actually, because the Deep Dish remix is it was good. The original songs are hit. I mean, so, how do you how do you police that? It's if, up to you, if James. If you think one, it's a hit or not. Um, uh, no, I'm no, 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 no. The okay. original music was a hit. The All deep right. dish remix. That's the first time I heard it. Okay, "Hole Again" by that's, Atomic Kitten. I just keep wanting to make a joke about <laughs> "Hole Again," <laughs> <laughs> but I won't. Um, uh, yes, that's a hit. Great. "Overload" by the Sugarbirds. That's Birds. a hit. It's a great song. I know the answer here. All for you by Janet Jackson. Well, no, I mean I, that is a hit, but I don't like it. But I, I'll get up granted, like that oh, is hit. Oh, wait, yeah. no, hold on. Now, what is it? Just what I personally liked. What you personally there? like? Yeah. Oh. oh no, then that's out. Then that's okay. out. Well, hold on. We can be, we can be nastier. Yeah. Uh, right. Like all right. I mean, Hole Again is a bit of a dirge, and I don't know that that's. <laughs> you know, it's good. It was good at the time. It was on the radio. But if you're going to listen to. Anything you're not going to choose to listen to a hole again, are you? So I'll give overload, right? I'll grant you overload. Yep. Okay. What Emma took you Buttons, so long? Emma it's out. I've looked it up. It's out. It's not. When I'm not counting that. Touch, Touch me. me. Ruby the Silver. No. Nah. Supreme. Robbie Williams. It's out. No. Nope. Please stay. Kylie Minogue. No. Stutter featuring Mystical Joe. Ab- absolutely not. <laughs> and it's Raining Man by Jerry Halliwell. It, again, it's the original is great. It's just, it's just a shitty cover. So I'll, I'll give it. 
In terms of what I would listen to again on this list. Yes. One. One. 10% hits. So Fresh is I coming mean, to take the crown. Many adjacent hits here. And also, and I have heard a lot of them. But I mean, if, I mean, I, look, I think I may have had a flustered response about this last time too, but it's hard with without set rules on what to say. That Many of these would be classified for the plebs out there in Radio Land as hits. But for me, I think the only one that has real merit that I would listen to it again was Overload by the Sugar Babes. It's in an interesting key. It's got great uh, vocal doubling yes. of the octave. Man, it's really good. Listeners, let me know if you agree with James. One out of ten. Don't don't attack James. Just let me know. Why would they attack me for having a the correct? <laughs> you tell me that Please Stay by Kylie Minogue deserves to be on anyone's list. Not even in the top 50 of Kylie songs. All right. Hey, James, thank you so much for doing this. You've got some sure. shows you're doing around oh, the country. Yeah. I'm coming to Melbourne. I'm coming to Sydney. But look, if I can if I can spruik one thing, it's that I'm trying to buy a boat. This is the only thing that I push whenever I'm on anywhere. Please, the James Donald Forbes McCann Canberran plan, help me to buy a boat. That's all I ask. In fact, can I can I grab you for just um uh, give me give me three minutes now yeah, for yeah. my podcast so I can just lift it and put it over. It'll be easier. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Gosh. Yes. I go on your podcast sometimes. Yes. I go on the uh, the Phone Hacks podcast. Yes. And I, I think I may have been cut from an episode recently of Confessions. I think, oh. I don't know what was that. I started to sweat. I wasn't feeling well. I said some things about Ernie Dingo that I absolutely shouldn't have said. But I'm wondering, how can I break into more of these Melbourne podcasts to promote my own one? I'm not there. I'm not getting in the dum-dum club due to historic irreconcilable differences. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk off air about that. I don't know about that. Uh, okay, what else is there? I love There's... those boys. They're great boys. I'd love to get on. I've asked to advertise on this show. We don't have to talk about it. But... <laughs> what other pods are there? Okay, so there's yes. no. uh, Do Go On. Okay, do you know Matt Stewart? Not well. Do Go On. Hit them up. Hit, hit them up and say, hey, I've got a great – because they have a lot more listeners than I do – so I've got okay. a great topic that I don't think you've touched on yet. I'll write the essay. I'll give you guys a week off from writing these big things and we'll go in and I'll tell you all about okay. something. And I think that's a very good way to do it. Uh, right. Have you done a philosophy? Have you done Will Anderson's philosophy? He's brought that back. No. Because not only do you uh, do it, you also get a nice, a nice drawing from um, James Fosdyke. I often do see the drawings come out. I will, I guess, write to Will Anderson. <laughs> yes. That and seems above my pay grade, but I will write to Will Anderson. Do you know Auntie Donna? Uh, I saw them backstage once, and they were very pleasant. Because you're, you're, you're a football fan. Love it. You could also yeah. go on. Broden's got a football podcast. And, you know, I do listen to that sometimes. I should hit up and, Broden. I will say, I think I've fallen out of love with football at the moment because I'm a big Crow fan. And after they um, after they mysticaled us... If you'll excuse me, oh, that was the worst. I, I've lost my love of the game. I've become numb to it. I, I'm about to. Cha- I'm jumping ship. I've never. I've been a North Melbourne supporter my whole life, and yeah. I'm about to. I'm about to move to the Tasmanian Devils. <laughs> if it gets up, you've got to stop protesting the stadium. <laughs> yes, uh, Jackie Lambie is standing between you and a and a dynasty. No, look. I hope. I hope it gets up. Ah, that's good. Broden and the football. Broden and the I football will... one. And uh, I'm thinking big, good podcast you could do. Yeah, that's Broden, they're the philosophy. ones. Now, do you know Will Anderson? Yes, I know Will. 
I'll, I'll, I'll text him. I'll say, hey, if, James. If you would recommend me, because I feel we, I don't like to put myself forward, you know? Yeah. But if you would put me forward to Will Anderson, it would be an honor and does, a privilege. Does Tom Ballard still do speak to me like a six-year-old? Uh, I think that's a different, that's a kink. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not, uh, is that the name of the podcast? I think so. I think it, it's like, I think it's like, t- t- like, it's explain it to me like I'm a six-year-old, not like speak to me like I'm a, sit down, you've been a naughty boy. <laughs> it's a very different, very different show. But yes, I should try and exploit knowing Tom Ballard. Yeah. It's true. So all yeah. these, and, and these are all get you up there so you can buy a catamaran. That's what it's all about. All where where about. do you, where do you store it in Adelaide? Port Adelaide, uh, I'm guessing. But. Oh, probably Port Adelaide, but I'm, I'm. The Australian currency is collapsing, so I've started investing in silver coins with the money I make. Uh, see if I can show you. Where the hell are my silver coins? Here they are. So here's the bag I have. Look at that. You see that? That's a $50 coin. But also, James, I saw you on Matt and Ooh. Shane's Secret Podcast. Surely that podcast is bigger than any Australian podcast that you would ever go on. Yes, but I'm, I'm not in America right now. We have to, we have to do what we can. Oh, we can. And it was great to be on that podcast. I had a great time and I'm open to being on big American podcasts. But I think, look, I think of the ones you've said there, the ones that surely Will Anderson has the biggest reach there. Yes, I think so. All right. Let's, if, if, if I can bring you in. I'll message, I'll message Will. I'll say, hey, talking to James, he'd love to do more podcasts. He's got like this plan to buy a catamaran. If you would do that, I'd be very grateful, and I'll do nothing on that podcast but big up this podcast <laughs> as as a reciprocity. Uh, I appreciate that. Great. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me on. Uh, make sure you check out James on all the socials. He's very, very funny, and I will see you guys next week. Oh, also, thanks, everyone, for pa- being Patreon subscribers. It is the absolute best, and uh, go on there. We just did an episode uh, last week. Kirsty Weebeck, yes. Tremendous. Yeah, great. Excellent. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you all next time. Bye. Thank you.